Can I say this? The podcast by the Dundee Students Free Speech Society. Apparently, I'm the unlucky victim who's been chosen to run the first event for today and the semester. And I'm introducing a new set of lectures. Well, not really lectures, more talks, events, sort of chats. Um, where we examine different issues, okay? And I have volunteered myself up to take on the debate on vaccines. Right, now let's hope that PowerPoint actually works the way I hope it does. Oh, it does. Perfect. Right, so before I really get going into the meat and the bones of all this, I just want to give a wee, dis well, a big slash small disclaimer about us. So, we, with all of our talks to do with the other side, where we examine issues from both perspectives, um, we're we don't in, we're not endorsing one side of it or the other. We're just presenting both sides in an unbiased way. Um, however, everyone in the committee, we are all human beings. We all do have our own personal opinions, and our own personal views are our own. Um, I personally have got very biased views on the vaccine debate, but I'm going to do my absolute best to be as unbiased as possible. But I will apologise in advance if anything I say comes across as a bit biased towards one side or the other. I'm not here to try and encourage you to vaccinate or refuse vaccines. I'm not here to tell you if you've not had the COVID-19 jabs to go out and get them or to tell all your friends don't get them. That is entirely down to you, your personal health, your beliefs and your circumstances. OK, um, I'm also not here to give anybody health advice either, and I'm not here to provide any sort of fuel or ammunition for either side of the debate, because any of you who have been on social media recently or have been in, for example, in Dundee City Centre recently, you will know that this is a very hot topic right now. There are people protesting um, there are people all over social media talking about this. Um, it's we're going to chat about that a bit later on. But anyway, as I said earlier, the other side is our wee series of events and we're going to present a contentious issue in an unbiased manner. And it's to help you guys understand it and if the, the free speech implications that are going on. Um, I will be available at the end. Um, for any questions, anything at all. If you want any websites or anywhere to that you could go and look up for more information, I can give that as well. I do actually have a slide near the end with a bit of signposting and sources and things. So any of you who are a bit more interested, I can do that for you. So we're going to just get straight into it then. So why have we picked vaccines? Well, as you're probably all aware, we've got the new vaccine passports are being rolled out across Scotland and there's a lot of pros and cons to these. There's a lot of criticisms going on. There's also a lot of praise. I think a lot of people on one hand are wanting to get back to normal, but on the other hand, there's also the notion that it's a bit of a government overreach. The pandemic has absolutely thrown the vaccine debate into the open. There have been vaccine debates going on for quite a while. Um, it's been going on since, well, since the first vaccines were actually developed back in the uh, late 1700s to the 1800s. There were major vaccine um, protests and things that occurred in the 1970s and the 1980s. There was Andrew Wakefield um, in the late 1990s and coming all the way up to the present day there's been a lot but for a lot of regular normal people who are going out and doing their jobs and all the rest of it they may not quite be aware that this debate is actually going on so the reason why i'm specifically doing this is because i've been involved in a lot of vaccine discussion groups online so social media is specifically Facebook for me. It facilitates a lot of debate groups and a lot of discussion groups and it can be for people who are pro or anti-vaccine or completely on the fence for all sorts of reasons. A lot of the people that are in them tend to be parents who have seen things online and they don't understand it. There's also the fact that I believe and it's actually shown that discussing vaccination concerns often does alleviate a lot of the issues that some people may have. It can garner genuine support for vaccines as well. And 
essentially the free speech part of this is going to come in later on, as you'll see, with a lot of discussions in which they're wanting to clamp down on misinformation and it does actually target some of these groups as well. So, yep, um, I've briefly said this just a while back. Um, essentially, this is a debate that's been going on for at least two centuries, roughly. Um, I'm going to be sticking only to what we're going to term the modern vaccine discourse. I was born in the 1990s um, and essentially a lot of the things that I know about are from the last two decades. So I will be quickly discussing um, Andrew Wakefield's 1998 paper, um, which has now been retracted, and how that has essentially caused a massive amount of scepticism in vaccines. Um, how that is then led on to dropping vaccine rates out of the fears of vaccines causing autism and then how this has garnered support from celebrities such as Jenny McCarthy, Jim Carrey and Rob Schneider, which then leads us into the 2010s and the 2015s where we had the film Vaxxed, which was produced by Del Bigtree, who we're going to meet in just a few moments. And then it's um, next film, its predecessor, um, Vaxxed 2. And there's also the fact that in America we have Robert F. Kennedy Jr. who was quite a prominent lawyer and he is very, very strong in the anti-vaccine stance. There's a lot of other media out there as well. There's a website called Natural News. There are big ties to alternative healthcare, some of which is, is fine. It's absolutely fine. It's individual choice. People can choose to uh, pursue whichever path they think is right. But there are also parts of alternative healthcare, which you should have a bit of fair warning. It may not be as accurate or safe as it might appear. But I mean, that's something that happens a lot in life. Yes, pictures. So a few years back, um, this gentleman, Andrew Wakefield, who is on the left, um, got together with this producer, Del Bigtree, on the right, and they produced a film called Vaxxed. Now, Andrew Wakefield has still got quite a big following right now in America. He was um, basically struck off the register in the UK for anybody who's not aware. And he moved to America and he's been allowed to practice. Um, he's got a massive following and a lot of them are parents who believe that vaccines have harmed their children. Now, this has sort of begun fueling this big anti-vaccine movement that's been brimming under the surface. It's it, You might have seen it on social media. Um, if there's any sort of big posts by, say, the BBC or NBC News or anything like that, where they mention, oh, measles, there will be the people in the comments who will be saying something like, don't vaccinate or something or other. And some of you might be going, oh, what a load of rubbish. And some of you will be thinking, you know, what what's all this about? Now, the free speech side of this is vaxxed. Um, I could give my personal opinion on it. I'm not going to. Um, but I don't agree with it getting removed from everything. So it is taken down off of streaming websites, off of Amazon, off of Netflix, off of YouTube, all the rest of it. And that's already a bit of a concern because we're, there, there's already been this precedent that's been set for the past five, six, seven years, which says this idea should not be talked about. And on the one hand, OK, you know, misinformation regarding things to do with public health can be quite damaging. But on the other hand, what you're doing, whether you mean to or not, is you're actually giving these people more and more reason to stick to their beliefs. Some of us can be quite stubborn, I know I am, and we like to basically dig our feet in and stick to our guns. And sometimes it can be very difficult for anyone, regardless of what the what the discussion's about, it can be very difficult for anybody to actually acknowledge that they might be wrong. It's It's not a nice feeling. But on the other hand, you get legitimate concerns and there's a legitimate underlying issue where the way I've seen it and how I've interacted with people in vaccine groups online 
is there's a lot of people who they don't really understand. So, for example, if you were to hand um, Bob across the road um, the ingredients list to vaccine, you're not going to know what any of it is. And they're going to see some things like formaldehyde, for example, and they're going to panic. And that is one of those things. And we cannot expect every single human being on Earth to be educated and competent in all scientific fields. It's just you can't do it. Like not even you can't even really become a full con complete expert and know everything about your own single field in a lifetime because it's consistently changing and there's just so much. So you have this issue where parents and other people who are not necessarily aware of how everything works, they get frightened by it because it does sound a bit, oh, I don't want to have formaldehyde injected into me. I don't want to have this or that. And then there's a real concern. So I find that when they start removing things like this film Vaxxed, it sort of it, it legitimises a lot of the views because then they think, oh, there is something that we should be concerned about. We do need to actually take this down. Just as a quick side note, because I've got my PowerPoint absolutely full screen, I have no idea what's going on on Teams. So if there is anything going on, if anybody's trying to reach me and if I'm just talking I've, into I've got it in the control, I've got it in the control. Perfect, because otherwise I'm not going to know. But yes, so this is vaxxed and vaxxed too. No. So then, of course, it spawned more things. For example, on YouTube, we have the high wire with Dell Bigtree. Dell is very, very, very critical of vaccines. Now, I could talk for quite a long time about whether he's correct or not, whether he um, is aware of the impact that some of the things he says might have, and the go into the philosophical social debates about whether that's right or wrong. But that's not what I'm here for. But on the other side, you have people like Jeff Holliday, who is the gentleman down in the bottom right of the screen. He did a series of videos called Inoculating Against Vax, where he watched the film and then he went through and explained why certain aspects of it might not be trustworthy. So you have this sort of two different media types, two different viewpoints coming together and discussing these ideas out in the open. And you get people on one side saying, but what about this? What about that? What about the study that shows vaccines can do this? And you'll get the other folks on the other side going, but hang on, have you actually seen this study might be flawed or have you considered it from this aspect instead? The gentleman at the bottom left is Robert F. Kennedy Jr. Um, he likes to give a lot of speeches. He gets a lot of people quite riled up and really emotional and really into things. Um, I think a key difference that you might see if you delve into this is a lot of the prominent anti-vaccine voices, they are very, very charismatic. They are incredibly approachable people. They are very smiley. They're, well, OK, they don't look very smiley on this slide. <laughs> that might be my fault. But they're very approachable. They, they carry this aura of, I'm here, I'm going to listen to you. I believe you and tell me what's what's worrying you and that is why so many concerned people a lot of them are parents because I would imagine that being a parent is an incredibly difficult scary thing and they will go to these people because they're saying we're going to listen to you come in come talk to us and on the other side us sciencey people we're not really well known for how good we are at public speaking and getting the public on board. It's why there's an entire field in science that's dedicated to improving communication between um, various different parts of the scientific fields and the public. It's why, for example, um, in the NHS, there will be a lot of guidelines and initiatives to help doctors and nurses be able to talk about health issues um, things to do with medication that their patients might be taking and the effects it may have on their bodies in a way that the patients can understand. And this can often 
mean that you have a bit of a difference between who is publicly speaking about these issues and why they might be quite popular. So there's a big sort of argument to be had here with is it misinformation or is it just different information? And that's another whole thing that we can sit and talk about for ages and ages. The films, the Vax and Vax 2, um, they use parental testimony. So they will go out and they talk to parents. And the thing is, parents, they put their kids first, OK? But the thing is, when they're hyper alert all the time and don't want anything bad that could harm their children. And the other thing is that with memories, memories can be affected by personal bias. You can misremember things. And it's not something that you do on purpose. Um, all of us do it. And most of the time we probably don't quite realise it. Um, but the other thing is the parents aren't trying to embarrass or shame or at purposefully harm their children. They're genuinely doing what they think is right. Um, because Vaxxed and Vax2 focuses a lot on how vaccines have allegedly caused autism. Um, it's a lot of cases where parents will be sitting with their children and saying things such as, you know, the vaccines have done X, Y, Z to my child. And some pro-vaccine uh, groups I've seen take a very big stand on this and they go, oh, those parents are horrible. How could they parade their children around like that? And it's like, OK, you could see it that way. But there's also the fact that the parents themselves aren't, they're not trying to shame their children. They're, they believe they're doing the right thing. They believe that they're telling an important message. Um, the thing is, we have to be able to talk about these things and be able to alleviate fears and be able to turn around and explain why something may or may not be caused by a vaccine. I'm not going to go into the vaccines and autism debate because anybody knows that is a massive, massive, massive thing. Um, but it's not currently uh, the driver of new legislation of social attitudes right now in the UK. Um, it's very much the COVID vaccines and we are getting to them, so don't you worry. So, as all of us are probably aware, um, all the way back in the end of 2019, there was this little bit of a scare going on about this new sort of virus kicking around in Wuhan in China. And nobody really thought much of it. We've had a few scares like these over the past two decades. We had bird flu and um, we've had swine flu. We've had quite a few of them. Um, but as it got into the start of 2020, it started spreading. Things started to get, you know, a bit worrying. And then, of course, in March, all of us in the UK, at least, were put under a lockdown. And lockdowns can have drastic varying effects on people. Some people thrive during them because they're like, yes, no, I don't have to look at people every day. I can, I finally have an excuse to sit in my room and do nothing. But for a lot of people, it's caused huge issues with depression, with stress, anxiety. It's it's completely uprooted so many people's lives. Um, for all of you who are students, you will know, especially if this is not your first year, you'll be aware that it is totally different having to attempt to learn your degree online. And you can see that the staff are all doing their absolute best. You can see the amount of organisation, the fact that there has to be full retraining done to use all this new technology to deliver lectures when before it used to just be a bit like this, stick the PowerPoint on and have a wee chit chat. Um, and uh, a lot of people have lost their jobs. A lot of people have been furloughed. Um, it's, it's put a lot of people to breaking point. And there's a lot of criticism in how the government's handled this because anyone would know there's the pro lockdown, the anti lockdown, the people who are stuck in the middle who are sort of like, yeah, I get why we need a lockdown, but I don't really like the lockdown. During the time that we were all locked down, there was a massive drive to fund for COVID-19 vaccine. There were several, as most of us are aware. I think the current ones in use in the UK um, 
is the Pfizer. Um, there is the AstraZeneca. I think the Moderna might be getting used as well. I think it depends on your age group and any other sort of health risks you might have. Um, essentially will determine if you're getting the vaccine, which of those you're going to get. So the really, really big one was that the Pfizer vaccine specifically was designed using this um, messenger RNA technology. Now, if you don't really know what mRNA is, um, unfortunately, Googling an article or two or reading a website or two doesn't really clear up how it works. Um, you'll probably find undergrads who are currently in their third or fourth years of a biomedical or a biology degree, and they'll probably go, I can't quite remember how MRA, mRNA works in the intricate way. Like, we get the general gist of it. The thing is, not every single human being around the world understands that. Some people think that DNA has cells in it, for example, and this is all just because people just not everybody chooses biology or any of the sciences to do as either an interest or for a career. So they just don't know. And what happens is because it's new, because people are not sure about it, and then they'll go online and see mRNA has something to do with DNA. They don't quite get the fact of how DNA is related to mRNA and how there's only one direction in which they can pass their messages to each other. And they'll start thinking, oh my God, the, the vaccines could change my DNA. And that's that's a that's a worry that's a concern that's been born out of people just they don't quite know all of the intricacies and you can't expect someone to know the ins and outs of how all this stuff works because i mean we we have scientists and doctors to do that for us the problem is that a lot of the information that pushes the vaccines is coming from the government and if you're already sitting there thinking oh those, those, that Boris Johnson, that Nicola Sturgeon, they've, 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 they've made this entire lockdown business a total shambles. You're gonna be a little bit wary of any information that they give you, um, especially when they then turn around and say, well, Nicola Sturgeon and the SNP at least turn around and say, you must be vaccinated, or else, or else you can't do things that you need to do for your life. And that is where a lot of these problems are coming from. There's also a big, massive amount of fear to do with the side effects of, I'm just using the Pfizer vaccine as my example right now, just because it's the one that's most talked about. There's people worry about the side effects of the Pfizer vaccine. Fair enough. Um, this happened when the um, HPV vaccines were out in 2008, I believe in Scotland was when they were rolled out. There was a huge, there is still a huge concern about the side effects of them. And I'm not sure you can ever really shut down or block that sort of discourse. I think we need to talk about it because it helps put a lot of the data that we may have on side effects into context instead of it just being a bunch of numbers and people who had sore arms versus people who had say anaphylactic shock it they can put it into context if people can actually explain more um however the pfizer vaccine did have to its credit one of the largest ever studies conducted before it was actually rolled out and that was with over forty-one thousand people in the usa so that's that sort of one thing that is sort of, you know, that's that's a factual piece of information. That study exists. If any of you want that, a link to that study, I am more than happy to post it in towards the end. Um, but the thing is, you get people on social media and there's also the fact that social media giants themselves are trying to say that criticising the Pfizer vaccine, you know, you can't you can't criticise it. You need to be banned. It's misinformation. But Science in itself is this is it works well because 
you can criticise it, you can question it, you can repeat studies on it, you can analyse it, you can see if the thing that you've discovered, your, your theory, your idea, you can repeat it and repeat it to see if it actually holds true. You can get all of your colleagues to come in and criticise it and pull it apart and analyse it and ask questions about things that you haven't even thought of. And that's the beauty of it. So shutting down any sort of discourse, even like even if it's from people who may not be educated in science, you're you're doing a disservice overall because you're saying that only certain people are allowed to talk about this and they're only allowed to say one certain thing. And I don't think that's a positive thing um, personally, and I don't think it bodes well for free speech either. So what actually are the issues that people have for the COVID vaccines? So one of the big ones are to do with, now I believe, I hope I've got the, the names of these studies correct. If not, I will be corrected. Um, I believe is there's no post licensure studies. So usually what happens is they'll, a vaccine goes through several phases of testing and then eventually it will be deemed safe enough and effective enough to be released to the public. Once, and this, this goes for, for drugs in general as well. So once it's out in the public, um, like the pharma, the pharmaceutical companies, all the rest of it, they don't just suddenly go, okay, that's it done, goodbye. They continue studying it. They will continue observing the populations and people who are getting it, uh, the demographics of those people, the health outcomes of those people, and they can do that for many, many, many years. Even now in 2021, we are still getting new studies about paracetamol, something which I think we've been using since like the 50s, 60s, and there's still studies coming out I think the newest ones are to do with whether paracetamol can have any effect on a growing unborn baby in the womb. And like all of us, I'm pretty sure every single one of us here has got a packet of paracetamol tucked away somewhere. They've not forgotten about paracetamol, they're still studying that stuff. And that's the same for pretty much all of it. The, the big thing is to do with whether they have the funding or not. So this is how things take priority. There's also the fact that getting vaccinated, it's a medical thing. It, you know, it's like it's it's similar in a way to receiving a prescription for medication. At least when I get my flu vaccine, I get it prescribed to me by my work. And I think pretty much if the NHS has got a log on it, if it's been essentially prescribed out to you, it is a it is a medical procedure and that is something that should be between you and your doctor and anyone else that you choose to share that with. Um, people may not want to get the COVID vaccine for a variety of reasons. Um, one of them is the fact that all of the education based on the vaccines is coming from the government. And as we said before, a lot of people are not really trusting the government right now. There's also the way the pandemic's been handled. Um, we all, we have all probably criticised the way it's been handled at least once, if not many, many, many times. It's either that they've not locked down early enough or they've locked down for too long or the guidelines are not good enough or the guidelines are too strict, you know. Um, there's also the fact that when you have all of these social media platforms, um, the most recent notorious one being YouTube, cracking down on what they term as pseudoscience. It, it's, it's the whole digging your heels in and, and holding your chin up high and saying, nah, I'm not, I'm not going to believe what you're telling me. You, you know, they, they will literally just back down and they'll continue standing for their, their point of view. And that's just going to reinforce any views. If you just think about anything else, if we decided that saying I hate mayonnaise was now something that you could be banned from social media for saying, all of the mayonnaise haters are going to get together and go, right, I'm not, we're, we're making our own websites here. This is, this is, this is a, some sort of, this is an attack on our ability to freely discuss mayonnaise. 
except in this case it's affecting our ability to discuss vaccines, specifically the COVID-19 vaccine. There's also the much more tricky issue of community health versus the individual. This is actually one of those issues that has been brought to the courts in America in the past. Um, it has resulted in people, it's, it was with regards to vaccines like the MMR, vaccines that we know you can get it, you get your recommended doses and that's you. You don't need to keep getting it every year. And it was to do with whether children who were unvaccinated by choice could be allowed into the public school setting where they might potentially put an immunocompromised child at risk. That got fought through governments in regards to human rights laws. Now, they ruled each time that the child who didn't get vaccinated didn't really have the right to put the other child who might be immunocompromised at risk. But we can talk about this, we can discuss this. They actually argued this out in a legal setting. They discussed this. It's not a banned thing. You're not going to get kicked off of social media or chastised by your friends for wanting to discuss this because that is an important thing we have to consider. How do we align community health against individual wishes? Now, how do you make that fair? And that's why it's been it's gone through the US courts quite a few times. It's coming up in terms of the COVID vaccine. However, there's a there's a few catches which might make you think, oh, OK, that might be why my, my co-workers against it. OK, so yeah, before I get to that one, we have got I see, I forget the order that I do my own slides in. I would be a useless teacher. So this is one of the reasons why the government is really not in the good books of a lot of people right now. The SNP has gone ahead with their vaccine passports, which if if you're if you're for that, fantastic. Great. That's your view. Fantastic. It was rejected, however, by the UK government. Now, I think the UK government itself is doing a different, maybe less strict version of a vaccine passport. I think they're only applying it for very specific things. There's also in the USA, this is this has caused a huge uproar and it really has been fueling a lot of the anti COVID-19 vaccine um, views is that President Biden has put in vaccine requirements for employment. And as far as I'm aware, and I could be wrong, please correct me, he's done this pretty much all across the board and it affects all of the states. Now, there is one thing that each state differs slightly in, and that is how their unemployment benefits might work and the, the sort of the ways in which you're allowed to access it. Um, and the problem with being, if you're fired because you're not vaccinated, um, it can go on your record as essentially being fired for not following a company, um, a company's rules, and that can disqualify some people from getting unemployment benefits. So it's sort of a bit of a double slap in the face. You're losing your job, but then you also cannot get support to help you find another job because the government's basically just saying no in every single way. Again, you have the community health versus the individual, but there's also the fact that this it's it's so harsh that it is going to push more and more people towards being critical of the government, because how can they not? They're see the government's turning around and going, right, no money for you, nothing for you. You can just go hungry because of your views. And they are going to start thinking, well, this has happened in the past with other like political ideas and situations. Checking the time, I've been going on for a while. I will stop very soon. Um, but we don't expect to see this sort of thing in modern day. For the EU, as far as I could see, um, vaccine requirements tend to just be in relation to people coming in and out of the countries which was already something that was already enforced. So, you know, you get your travel vaccines before going, if you go into somewhere with, you know, specific diseases, you'd get special vaccines for that. So I am approaching the end, but this is sort of the crux of the issue here. We need to have the ability to discuss vaccines. We need to be able to hear concerns. We need to listen 
to opposing views and we need to understand and try our best to empathise with different decisions because people make their own decisions. They don't just do it on a whim off the bat randomly. They have got they've got a multitude of reasons why. There's the medically exempt and how do we actually like it's not clear whether medically exempt people are going to fall under the same category as people who have made the decision to not vaccinate and that causes even more issues. Science is also not easily explained and misunderstandings really need to be heard and discussed and not banned. Um, the, the other big issue is with discussing and listening to other views with science and trying to help explain how things work. You get private corporations like YouTube who ban content and like the issue with this is it's affecting groups where people are genuinely discussing and helping other people. So if you get someone who doesn't understand how a vaccine might work in an immunological sense, and you have an immunologist in your group who then tries to explain it. If there's any sort of linking of um, external websites and things, it can get flagged on Facebook's algorithm and then they go, oh, we judge that to be misinformation and they can just shut the whole group down. Um, this has happened quite a few times to quite a few groups I've been in. It is very frustrating and it, it squashes discussions on all sides. It's not just people who are critical of vaccines and critical of the way the governments um, are carrying out public health. It affects absolutely everyone. So the basic like sort of people who, you know, the sort of arguments you see are people who support mandating vaccines. Um, the views that you'll often see are that mRNA science is well studied, community health comes before the individual, the vaccines are overwhelmingly safe and they're effective and that has been shown. People who disagree would, the most popular sort of points that I've seen is that healthcare is between the individual and the doctor. The efficient, the oh I can't say that word, the effectiveness of the vaccines hasn't been shown and Side effects that have been reported have not been satisfactorily explained and there's also freedom of choice. But then you have your big confusing middle questions. Is coronavirus going to be like the flu? With the flu we get yearly vaccines and if, if COVID-19 ends up being um, similar to the flu where the, the effectiveness of the vaccine doesn't last long enough, the, the the logistics of yearly mandating of vaccines is insane, especially if you have varying strains as well. There's a reason we do not mandate the flu vaccines. Um, it, it's already currently with the current flu season on the go, it takes out so many health professionals. Um, you have the logistics of getting enough vaccines. You have to get everybody in to get vaccinated and it just comes with a whole host of other problems. There's people who are vaccinated, but they also want to wait for additional information before they support mandates, which is perfectly fine. Um, COVID-19, hence the name, is a coronavirus. This is part of the same family that causes a lot of common colds. We've never been able to develop an effective vaccine for the common cold, and that gives a lot of people questions. Um, government methods in enforcing the mandates and the consequences for them um, a lot of people are critical of and they may be comparing it to earlier mandates that have existed such as the no jab no play for public schools. Right so I'm reaching the end of my talk um, I'm just giving you a bit of signposting I'm doing um, sources and things from sort of both sides of this debate so a really big one that I've been involved in for quite a few years now has been the Facebook group Vaccine Talk. It's it's got a long name. It's like Vaccine Talk, a place for civil discussions. Books by Paul by Dr. Paul Offit. He is a vaccinologist and he's highly accredited researcher. He also had a few critical things to say about the COVID-19 vaccine, which threw a lot of people off. But he has written some excellent material. Um, ben Goldacre is a fantastic writer who can, who's tackled a lot of science related issues. Um, he's got a book called Bad Science, which is very, very easily accessible, even for those of you who have never studied the science. 
There's also websites such as the NHS, which some people may not like. There's the World Health Organization, but another really good one is the Children's Hospital Philadelphia, which I have linked. That does a lot of explaining in as best terms as they can as to how vaccines work. There's also your public health departments, immunologists and biologists, if you happen to know any. Public health departments can be quite difficult to get through to though, especially right now because of how busy everything is. On the flip side, we have books by Andrew Wakefield. Yes, he has written, I think, a few. Um, some of them he's just sort of talking about his life since he was struck off the board. Um, he goes into details about his, his projects that he's had in America. He opened up a clinic and he talks about the patients and the families that he's worked with. There is Suzanne Humphreys, who I believe was a nephrologist, and she's written about her reasons why she's sceptical of the, the effectiveness of older vaccines, such as the polio vaccine. There is Neil Miller, who has tried his best, in, in my personal opinion, tried his best to analyse um, various vaccine studies. Um, I've actually read um, quite a bit of Neil Miller's stuff and my copy of his book, I have written all the way through it because I decided to test out how good I was at analysing how other people have analysed studies. Um, he can be good for a little gateway into the scientific literature. It's also good to try to get other, other sort of um, analysis of the same literature as well, because sometimes, you know, not everybody's perspective on it is quite how it's supposed to be. There's also websites for like natural news, which covers all kinds of stuff, all kinds of stuff. There's the Children's Health Defence, which is run by Robert F. Kennedy Jr. And the Informed Consent Action Network, which is run by Del Bigtree, I believe. Um, so I believe I'm actually at the end. Um, I think I went on for a little bit longer than I thought. Apparently, I'm not very good at timing it out, and I genuinely believed I'd written something that was about half an hour, but apparently when I get going, I really get going good. So, let me just get myself back up, and I would like to see if there's any questions, Q&As, discussions, all kinds of things. I might have missed them whilst I was having a Chit chat. <laughs> oh, Andre. Da, 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 da. Hopefully everyone gets to have you, hear your answer. When you're trying to have a constructive discussion with an anti-vaxxer and they turn out to completely distrust the government and the scientific community, what is your reaction? If you continue the conversation, how exactly do you reason with them? I ask them why. I ask, like, I, I'll literally just say, why? Why is that? Why do you think that? What's going on? What are you thinking? What's happening? I will ask them why. And usually they will say. It's, it's actually been quite rare that I've had someone who's genuinely, genuinely just been like, government wants to kill us all. Government wants to kill us all and then enslave us. And it, you know, you know the ones where they, it just goes in a big circle. Um, it's very rare that I get those sorts of things. Usually um, it's been people who will suddenly come out with legitimate worries and with the science. Um, I do think a big part of it can come from some of these big speakers such as uh, Del Bigtree, for example, um, or Andrew Wakefield and some of the others. There are quite a few of them. Um, I can't sit and name them all, but really the issue is some of them simplify it down. So, for example, in the USA, um, part of their health, and we've got our own version of this, they have a database for reactions to vaccines and they will, they will list them without any sort of an analysis or prejudice whatsoever. And it's a self-reporting system. So I could go in and put in a reaction if I wanted. There's no sort of checking to make sure that I'm actually a US citizen and that I've actually received said vaccine. Um, Self-reporting is a very good tool to, to hand healthcare resources into patients' hands. 
but the flip side of that is it can't it's well it's not always accurate and sometimes there is a much bigger story underneath and that's why you have dedicated um, statisticians and doctors who are able to actually get the deeper information and work out really what's going on and if there's any patterns to these reported side effects. People such as Del Bigtree, he is known to have said things such as XYZ vaccine has killed 12,000 people. Just it's killed 12,000 people and the source will be the self-reporting system. But then you go into it yourself and you'll realise that a large number of this has not actually been correlated or even confirmed to have been caused by the vaccine. I think the most weirdest one I've ever seen was somebody who tried to blame the MMR vaccine on her son committing suicide 18 years after he had it. Could have been like they were having a bit of a joke. It could have been genuinely serious and that's that's a big question we don't know. And people who believe that if they listen to someone like someone who's very enigmatic and um, very someone like Del Bigtree, if you ever YouTube him and listen to him speak, he's a very enigmatic speaker. I completely understand why people um, support and listen to him, but he's some of the stuff he says is inaccurate from a purely scientific point of view. And a part of me personally wonders if he actually knows that. That's a whole other issue, though. Um, like I said, I don't want to present one side or the other. Um, anyone who knows me knows what my stance is here. Um, so. OK, from OK, I'm not an anti-vaxxer, but I often get conflated with one as I fundamentally disagree with mandating this vaccine. How would you recommend fighting against villainization for these beliefs? Well, weirdly, I've had both the Pfizer jabs and I'm not really for the mandates and my reasoning's actually because I don't think we actually know whether it's going to be effective for long enough. And from my personal standpoint, I work in pharmacy and the flu jab season is horrendous. Honestly, you cannot breathe or move for the people coming through the door to get their flu vaccines and then all the prescriptions that you need checking they pile up because the pharmacist and your technicians are all like vaccinating. Imagine that with the coronavirus vaccine as well if that was every single year. I don't think you could ever possibly mandate something like that. The logistics just would never work out. But on the side of when people villainize you, <laughs> to be honest, if people are villainizing you for your personal view um, that you don't really agree with the mandates, first of all, if they're friends and they're genuinely wanting to know, um, just honestly just say, look, I'm not comfortable with it, X, Y, Z reasons, depending on whether, how much you trust them or not. But in general, uh, you can always just flip it around and say, why are you for the mandates for the vaccine when it could only be effective for one year? Vaccines like the MMR vaccine and a lot of the childhood ones we've had, I, as far as I'm aware, I could be wrong and please do correct me if I am, but mandates for those didn't actually start coming into play until it was actually shown that, you know, X number of doses and the case the case numbers were falling. I think for coronavirus, from what we've seen, hospital um, hospital admissions are falling. The number of people who are getting severely ill is falling, but the case numbers are still pretty all over the place. I think for now, at this point, um, it should actually be a perfectly ordinary, normal and not a controversial thing at all to say that you are you are pretty much uncertain about them. I'm uncertain about them. A lot of people that I know are uncertain about them. I think it's also a new thing. It is a new thing. Um, the, that, the Pfizer vaccine was ruled out, I think, in like December, January, probably January. I got mine in January of this year. Um, there's people who are still getting their first and their second jabs. Um, that's it's not a huge amount of time to really know because as I said before, coronavirus, um, 
it's it's a tricky it's a tricky family of viruses they don't they don't really like to stay the same they like to change and and become different and evade immunity such as vaccines which is why we've struggled is there any situation which censoring would be appropriate um from my very personal view um it really really gives me a huge conflict because on the one hand i do believe that public health is extremely important uh, but on the other hand you know free speech um you see i feel like censoring is only gonna ever be appropriate in situations where what they're saying and doing is actively and can accurately be shown to be killing people or really really hurting them so um i think a good example of that would be when um a few very anti-vaccine celebrities oh, i can't remember her name went to samoa in 2018 and they were doing a series of talks all around samoa and it helped sort of add fuel to the fire of um being skeptical of the mmr vaccine and the result was actually um a fairly bad uh, little pandemic that occurred in samoa i cannot remember how many people died it was mostly children that died but it really brought home the fact that measles is one of those viruses where if it's allowed to propagate um which it can do very very effectively it can absolutely devastate um so i think it's one of those extremely difficult questions i don't think anybody could really give a single this or that answer um it's so difficult because there is legitimate criticism of vaccines there's being able to talk these things out there's being able to put people's fears at ease but then there's also there are there are genuine situations where people are actively properly just speaking really harmful nonsense and they know it's nonsense but they're doing it anyway and that's where you get difficult with free speech with diseases such as cirrhosis of the liver requiring transplantation or expensive medical treatment the doctor can deny treatment if you're still engaging in damaging behaviors would it be reasonable for the nhs to deny healthcare to the unvaccinated if say a third or a fourth wave occurred well, that's that that's an interesting one um i think it would depend how many unvaccinated people end up needing that sort of care if it's really a really tiny minority because i think what's happening is the more people that get vaccinated the more the higher the number of cases you're going to see are going to be in the vaccinated just because of the fact that there's more of them if you have got 99 vaccinated people and one unvaccinated person and you have six cases and um, the chances are more like those six cases are probably all going to be in vaccinated people and it's just basically because of the numbers if that i think the uk vaccine rate is quite high but i mean if the number of people who are not vaccinated is quite high and they are coming into hospitals and it is actually very detrimental it could potentially be a consideration but only if it was shown that it was people who were not vaccinated rather than people who are and aren't vaccinated because i think how it's going right now is um people are you can still catch it and i think we still do have cases all over the place right now i think it's difficult it's really difficult because on principle for um public health and the fact that the nhs is a public um entity i would be like well yeah if they can if they can deny liver transplants if they can like i cannot donate blood because of medications that i take um you know i i think it is it's difficult like part of me would be inclined to say 
yes if the majority is actually unvaccinated people and it is it's not people who cannot legitimately be vaccinated for some reason yeah but uh, you know i'm i'm really glad i'm not in that position where i'd ever have to make that choice because i don't think i could oh now i didn't know that that's pretty good nine and ten people carrying antibodies that's actually really good you see i was not fully aware of that um i had done a bit of reading and looking through stuff um and seeing people had antibodies was i, I knew that they were effective it's how effective and for how long is is the way it seems to roll uh what is the oh i still got time for more questions but yeah the one on um whether you can deny them oh that's how you boggle my brain because i don't think i could ever give a real proper answer to that i think there's too many different nuances to the situation um to be like i could never make that decision um and if i if i did then i probably wouldn't be sitting here right now um so if there's not any more questions um i do hope that you hopefully found this even a little bit interesting if any of you are wondering my stance i'm very for vaccines um it was part of what helped me do as well as I could in earlier modules at university was because I was consistently always reading all this cellular biological stuff about how vaccines work on the molecular level and things. I found it really, really fascinating. And then delving deeper and deeper into it, you end up with all of these different groups online and you there's actually like there's scientists there's there's this gentleman called um probably gonna say his name wrong um abraham alamad who is known as a blood brain barrier scientist i think he's at, like the university of in a uh, university in texas he's part of that group and i learned a huge amount from him and there's a lot of experts in these groups who will take their own time to try and explain this um yeah, I think I think it's one of the defaults where the vast majority of people who are in the scientific field are for vaccines. But I feel like that's part of the fact that you get we get told how all this, how all these cells and things work and we understand better, I hope. And that's why I'm a strong believer that getting out there and getting better communication between the public and the sciencey stuff is a really, really important thing because it genuinely, genuinely does make a lot of people change their minds. And it's not even just vaccines. It's literally anything at all that's potentially like, I don't know, um, discovered a new painkiller. You know, people don't understand how it works. Hey, you get the good scientific communication and things get easier. And then you can also get that really fun side effect of people suddenly going, this is really fascinating. I want to study a science. And then they turn into me and they come to university and they do a degree. <laughs> but yeah, um, thank you everybody for joining. I'm going to need to go and drink about five litres of water now because I've talked so much. Um, yeah. Um, if anybody wants to ask any further questions about this event or about any other events that we've got, um, we do have our Facebook page. It's just the Dundee University Free Speech Society. You should be able to find it fairly easily. You can message the page and it's usually myself or Andre who will reply to you, except we will be called the page. Uh, we do have our own group as well. Um, that not much happens in the group, but we're hoping if more people want to join, we can post interesting articles, get little discussions going on things that are going on. Um, our next event is with Dr. Neil Finn. I believe it's next week, but please don't quote me on that. It is on the Facebook page, the exact date and time. Um, the one with Dr. Neil Finn is going to be fantastic, and I really hope to see 
all of you there and even more if possible. Um, so yeah, thank you very much and I am probably just gonna say goodbye. Have a nice weekend.